0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Gosh, what a day. Did you catch the Bill Barr press conference? That was... (laughs) a tour de force that is how it's done sorry about the visuals in the background folks i don't take days off especially on days like this um this is actually a new york city hotel i'm getting ready to do fox today so get ready to rock and roll listen i got no time to waste i've got some Incredible material for you. Let's get to it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Filter By. Hey, according to the CDC, about 7 million people are getting hit with the flu this year. Many think getting sick has to do with the cold. That's actually false. We get sick because we spend more time indoors. That's why we're exposed to higher concentrations of airborne pollutants, including colds and flu viruses. If you want to improve your chances, it's cold and flu season. Start by improving the quality of your air with our buddies at FilterBuy. They're America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. This is one of those things that's so easy to kick the can down the road on you. But you got to change your air filters. Go to your computer, order yours today, even if you don't need them right this second. Sign up for auto delivery and you'll get 5% off your order. Can't beat that. They have over 600 different air filter sizes, including custom options. They ship free within 24 hours. Plus, they manufacture all their air filters right here in the great old USA. Save time, save money, and give yourself an edge this cold and flu season. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Tell them Dan Bongino sent you. All right, let's go. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was an outstanding press conference. First, I want to start quickly with a video. Of Bill Barr getting one of the dumbest questions I have ever heard from a hack reporter pretending to do journalism, uh, falsely pretending to do journalism, and asking a question about why Bill Barr appears to be covering for the president in in this unprecedented, in his analysis of what was an unprecedented investigation. This is hysterical. Check this out.
1: Mr. Attorney General, let's talk Democrats who have questioned some of the process here. A Republican appointed judge on Tuesday said you have, quote, created an environment that has caused a significant part of the American public to be concerned about these redactions. You've cleared the president on obstruction. The president is fundraising off of your comments about spying. And here you have remarks that are quite generous to the president, including acknowledging his feelings and his emotions. So, what do you say to people on both sides of the aisle who are concerned that you are trying to protect the president? Well, actually, the, the statements about his 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 uh, sincere beliefs are, for, are are recognized in the report that there was substantial evidence for that. So, I'm not sure what your basis is for saying that I am being generous to the president. You face an unprecedented situation. It just seems but like there's a lot is. of effort to say. Acknowledge how this well, is there right is now. there another precedent for it? No, but it's a Okay, so object.
0: unprecedented is an accurate description, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. okay. What do
1: you say to people
0: who are... you see that? That is classic. I love Barr. Barr goes... So, uh, ma'am, why do you think I'm analyzing the uh, the, 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 uh, the the emotions of the president? Well, but you said it was an unprecedented uh, attack on his presidency or whatever. Well, is there precedent for it? No. Well, that's what unprecedented means. This is the kind of cojones we need in government right now. We need people not willing to accept nonsense media narratives. You see what they're doing already, folks? They're trying to set up the fact that Barr is acting as an attorney for the president, not as the attorney general for the United States. That's a false narrative that the media hacks lunatics want out there because they've blown it twice. They've blown it on the collusion narrative. They've blown it on the spying narrative. As I said on Fox and Friends this morning, the media got the two stories of our lifetime backwards. They told you collusion was real and spying was a hoax. When it turns out collusion was a hoax and spying was very real. And now you have hacks like this trying to paint the third narrative here that Barr is covering for the president here nonsense that is total complete garbage so good job by bill barr all right let's go through this i've got a bunch of notes i had to get on the air quick i wanted to uh wanted to get it up at the normal time but i had to wait till it was finished so first one of the first outcomes of the election i got a lot of material too um related to this so stay tuned after this number one barr reiterates at the presser there there was no collusion no collusion He indicates that there was evidence of Russian operatives trying to impact our election, but that they acted without the assistance of the Trump team or any American. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't say this enough. Apparently, the Mueller report we're going to get in a little while, which I'll be going through. um, We're going to be doing some more material on this. Volume one of it shows that the Russians did make an effort to impact our election. Not a surprise to anybody here, but that that effort was them acting without the support of anybody on the Trump team or any American. There was no collusion. Yeah, you know what? Just check out this video right here. This is Barr indicating in no uncertain terms that collusion is dead. The media blew the biggest story of our lifetime.
1: The special counsel's report did not find any evidence that members of the Trump campaign or anyone associated with the campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in these hacking operations. In other words, there was no evidence of the Trump campaign collusion with the Russian government's hacking.
0: All right, there you go. As you needed, uh, you know, as if you needed to hear it from the horse's mouth for the 15th time, uh, basically the media, the lunatics at CNN and MSNBC have been lying to you uh, the entire time, folks. Absolutely disgraceful. All right, finding number two, that there was a Russian disinformation campaign. Wage through their Internet Research Agency. Again, none of this is news, folks. Basically, what they were doing is the Russians were putting out disinformation, inaccurate information through vehicles and conduits, um, social media and other forms to try to influence people in the United States. Nothing new there, nothing surprising. The Russians are not our friends. Uh, nothing unusual about foreign actors trying to cause chaos in the United States, especially in elections. But again, the second big finding here. They acted without the assistance of anybody on the Trump team or any American. Thank you by Felicia to the collusion, uh, scandal, hoax, fairy tale again. Finding number three, or again in Joe Biden terminology, finding number three, that the GRU, the Russian GRU, a group of military officers That they were trying to hack Democrat computers and the the computers of Hillary Clinton campaign officials. That's what's in this Mueller report. But again, acted alone without the assistance of the Trump team or any American. This is all at the presser here. We'll try to get some more video and audio for you tomorrow on this, folks. But I want to get this out as soon as possible so you know exactly what's going on. Finding number four. That there was an attempt to publish these stolen emails. This is from the special counsel's findings. Again, remember, Barr just finished his press conference. In that press conference, he's summarizing what's in the special counsel's report. That's what makes that reporter's question, the unprecedented question, so silly, too. Barr was only citing what Mueller had said, not his personal opinion about the president's uh, mental state. He was only talking about what was in the Mueller report. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, uh, that they did try to publish stolen emails, Russian actors, through WikiLeaks, DCLeaks, and uh, and this Guccifer account. But again, the special counsel showed no evidence that they acted with any uh, coordination with the Trump team. Matter of fact, they acted without the Trump team. There's no evidence that there was any coordination collusion at all. Okay, going through this quick, because I got a lot to get through today. Uh, there was an analysis of the Russia team collusion uh, uh, contacts, the Russia contacts, excuse me, with the Trump team. What I'm assuming here is they're talking about the Trump Tower. We will get this as the full report comes out in just a few hours. I'll be digging through it. I'll have tons of information on that. Ladies and gentlemen, I got more on this coming up in a few minutes. There's some sound by Devin Nunes here, where Devin Nunes is wondering as well, okay, if they looked into the Trump team contacts, especially the Trump Tower meeting with the two Russians, right, the Trump Tower meeting with Don Jr., but don't forget this, in June of 2016... That uh, that, ju- uh, that meeting, right, the, with the tr- at Trump Tower, with Don Jr., with those Russians, what exactly is in the special counsel report about that? We know those two Russians were connected, one of them to Fusion GPS and one of them to the Hillary team. What exactly was uncovered there? But this is important. The Trump team meeting with these Russians, there was no evidence of conspiracy to violate the law. That's a quote by, uh, by Bill Barr in the press conference. None. Remember ladies and gentlemen, meeting with Russians is not illegal. Why were these Russians connected to Hillary Clinton's team? Why? Why were they connected to Fusion GPS hired by Hillary Clinton? One of the Russian intelligence connected guys that shows up admits he knows people on the Clinton staff and his lawyer is the spouse of Bill Clinton, one of one of his high up dip, one of his higher up uh, diplomats. Ridiculous. Okay. This is where it gets interesting. Sorry, FaceTime. Mike, open up. There you go. I'm working with like a, an operation here. This is a this is a hotel room operation here, but I don't want to miss the show today. The special counsel. This is where it gets fascinating. Barr at one point talks about some legal theories the special counsel had on obstruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I have absolutely no doubt what Barr is talking about here. Barr is talking about hack f- attorney Andy Weissman, Bob Mueller's pit bull, his lead investigator. He is undoubtedly talking about Andy Weissman and his unique legal theories. Andy Weissman's unique legal theories have gotten him into a world of trouble in the past. Andrew Weissman, Mueller's right hand guy, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget this, was one of the lead prosecutors on the Enron case. The Enron case where convictions were thrown out of court. Weissman has been humiliated repeatedly. This guy has advanced legal theories that have been shown by courts and independent arbiters to be absolutely ridiculous. In other words, I think what Barr is saying here is there was an effort there by Weissman to paint a legal theory of obstruction to target Donald Trump, not based on any sound legal analysis. Barr didn't say that directly, folks. Granted, I am speculating. I can't get in Barr's head. But my guess is by him saying the, quote, legal theories of the special counsel and that basically he disagreed with him, that he's saying that Weissman was inventing law to prosecute Trump for obstruction of justice because Weissman's a hack. Weissman's a horrible person. Weissman was briefed on the dossier in the summer of 2016, ladies and gentlemen. He knows this whole case is a hoax, and he went with it anyway. This guy is a hack. And I think Barr, Rosenstein, and everyone else know it. One more piece on this, on the obstruction charge. So just to be clear what I was saying there. Barr comes out and says a special counsel posited some legal theories on obstruction. uh, that those legal theories that he believes don't amount to obstruction. He also says that that opinion was not based on the OLC opinion. If this gets a little complicated, bear with me for a second. The Office of Legal Counsel has historical precedents, years old, that didn't come out, something special for Donald Trump, right? The Office of Legal Counsel has come out with an opinion that's, that's old, this is not new, that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Barr suggested that Mueller told him in their interviews that the reason they didn't decide to charge or or or, or lay out a criminal uh, make a decision on the criminality of the obstruction of justice charge on, on Trump was not due to the fact that they can't indict him. Does that make sense? I, I hope it does. In other words, what he's saying is Mueller didn't refuse to charge Trump with obstruction because of the Office of Legal Counsel precedent. He charged him. He refused to charge him or make a decision on it because he didn't feel like the evidence was there to do it. It had nothing to do with the OLC opinion. That's an important point there. Because the Democrats will come back and they'll say, oh, well, they just didn't indict uh, Donald Trump because the Office of Legal Counsel said so, but the evidence was there. That is not the case. That is not what Mueller told Barr. Mueller told Barr, clear as day, that it had nothing to do with the Legal Counsel opinion, that the evidence was not there with enough credit. He doesn't exonerate him, Mueller. But when Barr and Rosenstein Start looking at the law and not these unique legal opinions that Weissman's providing. The discredited hack, then the uh, they uh, it's Barr and and uh, and Rosenstein who wind up exonerating Trump of obstruction because he didn't obstruct justice. And I believe when you look at Barr's press conference and he lays out a couple things on the obstruction charge, why he thinks it's nonsense. This is the most uncomfortable chair ever, by the way. Joe, this thing is killing me. I can't even, I'm telling you, man, this chair is like the worst. It's like digging into my back. (laughs) I'm in the smallest hotel room ever in Times Square. This is the whole room, ladies and gentlemen. I wish I could take this camera off and show you. Paula, before when she's setting up, she's like, is there a different shot? I'm like, no, this is the shot. There's a guy in the background praying at a Buddhist temple or something. That is the shot. That's the only shot. This is the only deal. You can text me, Paul, if you want to say something funny. Too. I can read your text on the screen. All right, getting back to this. So there's no case for obstruction as determined by uh, Bill Barr, the attorney general, and Rosenstein. Mueller takes a pass and punts on the question, but doesn't charge him either. And the reason he doesn't charge him is not due to the OLC opinion. It's candidly because he doesn't have enough evidence that would lead to a, 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 a not a legal theory case, but an actual legal case for obstruction. Barr rather elegantly lays out why he believes there is no obstruction. And I want to be crystal clear on this. I'm going to give you the three big takeaways from this before we start with our other stuff here. Number one, he says the Trump team fully cooperated. He indicated this multiple times, provided White House staffers, provided them full access, turned over all the documents requested, that there was no effort to obstruct the investigation when it came to providing the necessary people, the testimony, and the documents to Bob Mueller and his team. So takeaway one, there was full cooperation. If there's full cooperation, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have a very difficult time making an obstruction case. Takeaway number two, there was no invocation of executive privilege. Donald Trump as the president of the United States, has legal executive authority as the president to invoke, pri- invoke privilege over certain communiques, communications, conversations, emails. Barr says there was no execution of executive privilege that there was, in other words, to uphold, withhold documents from the Mueller team at all. Again, ladies and gentlemen, making for a very... Very tough argument on how you're going to indicate there was an obstruction charge when everything asked for was turned over and nothing was even, even executive privilege, which is perfectly legal, wasn't even invoked. Stupid. This is so dumb. This a stupid case. Stupid people like Andy Weissman. Dopes. Third, third takeaway here on the obstruction nonsense. There was no act to deprive the uh, Mueller Special Counsel of documents testimony or access to witnesses that they wanted so ladies and gentlemen you're going to make an obstruction case based on full cooperation no invocation of executive privilege and no effort whatsoever to deprive them of witnesses or documents if this sounds dumb to you it's because it is dumb this is one of those unique legal theories that i'm telling you you can pin on andy weissman already discredited lawyer who blew it on the enron probe who by the way is a big democrat was at hillary's election night party and is deeply connected to obama's former lawyer katherine rumler who they worked on the enron case together and one of obama's counter-terror officials lisa monaco who was by the way bob Mueller's old chief of staff these people all know each other folks they all know it. The swamp is deep the roots for the swamp go deep into the mud pathetic Sorry, but I'm just furious today, this crap. All right, uh, let's get to some more stuff. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Duke Cannon. Duke, like the Duke of Earl, and Cannon, like firing a cannon. Duke Cannon, now... Duke Cannon was kind enough to send me some samples of their product. If you visit dukecannon.com, Duke, common spelling, D-U-K-E, Cannon, C-A-N-N-O-N.com, visit dukecannon.com, put in promo code Bongino, you'll get 15% off your first order, and your free shipping on orders over $35. What is Duke Cannon? They have some of the finest smelling soaps and colognes out there. Listen. Paula and I go out on date night. She's horrified about this read because she doesn't know how much I'm going to say, right, Paula? Yeah, I know. She's shaking her head right now. But I, the Duke Cannon, uh, they have this. It's 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 this uh, it's this cologne, but you take it, and it, it. it's not a spray. It's you take it out. You rub a little bit on your finger. It's like a almost like a paste, and you put it on. And man, does it smell good, Paula? You liked it, right? It's a good night, folks. Can I- <laughs> She can't beat this show. It's the greatest show on TV, right? Solid cologne. <laughs> it is solid cologne. But it's and it's she Paula's texting me right now. Nice <laughs> She's saying solid cologne, but what we really mean is solid cologne. Check it out. All right. Uh, Can a a bar soap be patriotic? That's a lot to ask. It's just a bar soap after all. Doesn't get out a little flag and wave around, right? But consider this. Duke Cannon superior quality grooming goods for hardworking men are tested by soldiers, not boy bands. Duke Cannon partners with active-duty military to develop new ideas and review products. Anything that doesn't meet their high standards of soldiers doesn't happen. Duke Cannon's committed to giving back to the men and women serving our country. That's why a portion of their proceeds directly supports veteran causes. Come on. Who's better than you? Duke Cannon sells basically everything you need and nothing you don't. Big-ass brick of soap modeled after the rough cut. Brick-style soap used by G.I.s during the Korean War smells just like the great outdoors. News anchor Pomont, the perfect blend of medium-hold matte finish and sandalwood scent. Best damn beard wash out there. Superior-grade shaving cream, a barbershop-grade formula for men of higher taste. Not for clowns. It's a clown-free formula. And solid cologne, my personal favorite. Paula's personal favorite. Solid cologne, a foolproof way to smell good on the go. I'm not kidding about that, by the way. Duke Cannon, if you want to send me some more, Duke Cannon, if you want to send me some more of that solid cologne, I will take it. We have a lot of date nights coming up. The cologne bomb that's TSA friendly and doesn't make you smell like you were attacked by the mall perfume lady. When you're using Duke Cannon's big ass brick of soap or premium hair goods that give you news anchor thick hair or beard shaving goods that help you put your best face forward. Don't be surprised if you start humming the national anthem. Again, go to ducannon.com right now. Get 15% off your first order with promo code Bongino free shipping on orders over $35. We love Duke Cannon. Paula loves it too. Okay. All right, where do we go next? Uh, here's let's uh, play this clip of Devin Nunes. This is a doozy because now that we know there is no evidence collusion, collusion is dead, ladies and gentlemen. The media blew the two biggest stories of our lifetime. Collusion is dead, and the spying scandal against Trump is very much alive. They got it backwards. They blew the whole thing. Um, Devin Nunes made a recent appearance on Fox News, and Devin Nunes is said, uh, basically, where are we going to go next? These are the three things I want to look at. Check this out.
1: There's three specific areas where I think there was some type of setup involved. So the first is involved with General Flynn. General Flynn was supposedly uh, – Entrapped uh, was was meeting with a Russian woman. I want to know what really happened there because you know we're just now finding out about this, and and we need more a lot more information on you know what really was General Flynn doing because it's a big deal if there if, if somebody within our intelligence agencies were accusing a three star general of having some type of Russian fling, it's serious stuff, and I want to I want to get to the bottom of that. All the right. second big question you have is Joseph Mifsud. Joseph Mifsud is how this whole investigation started. And let me tell you, Moeller describes him as some type of Russian asset of some kind. Well, if, if Joseph Mifsud was a, was a Russian asset, we've got big problems with our British and Italian allies because he seems to be pictured uh, with every British and, and, and Italian person that we know of. So that's something we also want to know about. And Mifsud was the guy who set up Papadopoulos. Finally, the third issue I'm going to know about is this infamous Trump Tower meeting. When you hear the Democrats talk about that, there's evidence in plain sight. Well, the Russians that are involved in the Trump Tower, the infamous Trump Tower meeting in New York, I call them the Fusion GPS Russians. Fusion GPS was the company that was working for the Clinton campaign and the Democrats. And somehow Glenn Simpson meets with them before and after. And he's and he's actually these are Russians that he's doing work for. I mean, come on. If Mueller can't get to the bottom of this and answer this for the American people, I don't know what the report was really worth.
0: Folks, I am a huge supporter of Devin Nunes. I want to just say, before I get to some commentary on what he just laid out there about what the real scandal is, the entrapment and spying scheme on the Donald Trump team and others, by the way, it's bigger than just Trump. Don't ever forget that. I want to hat tip him, Mark Meadows, Jim Jordan and others out there, they're not the only ones, who have relentlessly pursued every lead on this and are finally getting to the truth. Thank you sincerely to Devin Nunes, Mark Meadows, and Jim Jordan. Nunes, you have done a... Mr. Nunes, Representative Nunes, with all due respect, and you deserve it. You have done a fantastic job. Nunes points to three things. Now we want to see in the Mueller report, and we will I'll be digging through this right when I get off the air. I'll be on The Five again later today. I've got a number of appearances coming up and I want to make sure I dig through this report, but it's going to be 400 pages, so I want to get you the material tomorrow. But I want to see these three things. Nunes is concerned about three things. Number one, the Flynn-Lakova meeting in 2014. What is this? If you're a listener to the show, you know it. I'll summarize it for you quickly. Lieutenant General Mike Flynn in 2014 is invited over to Cambridge in London. At that event, a woman, Svetlana-Lakova is there. The woman, Svetlana Lakova, hit her interaction with Flynn, which is described as completely benign by other witnesses at the scene. This is just a dinner. Remember, Flynn is invited over there. Wow, how did that happen? The information that comes out of that, this is 2014, is that the interactions with this woman were suspicious and they believe Flynn may have been compromised by this woman and her so-called Russian connections. This is a nonsense story and according to media reports that information comes from Richard Dearlove a former uh uh high high-end Russian uh, excuse me uh, uh, British intelligence official Richard Dearlove and Stefan Halper a US intelligence asset what the heck are US intelligence assets connected to the CIA in our intelligence community and a former British intelligence asset with deep connections this guy's at the high end of the managerial chain, dear love. What are they doing reporting on Mike Flynn overseas on a completely benign interaction with a woman, by the way, who denies all of this stuff? And also another person who was there, another DIA official who was there with Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, who says none of this, this is nonsense. There was no suspicious interactions at all. That is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I bring that up because Nunes, who's very smart, I believe understands what I've been telling you for a long time. It was a setup. It was an effort way before Trump got, uh, you know, entered into, came down that escalator and entered into the presidential campaign to set up political enemies of Barack Obama. Flynn was first. Remember, this Spygate scandal, it's why my book is called Spygate and not Trumpgate. This precedes Donald Trump. Donald Trump was another victim in a ruthless, relentless Obama team spying and entrapment scandal. Don't ever forget that. So that's uh, tranche number one that uh, Nunes is looking at. Tranche number two of information, Mifsud. He went now, if you're a regular listener to the show, this, of course, is old news to you. But Nunes wants to know who was Joseph Mifsud, again, in a nutshell. Joseph Mifsud is a Maltese professor who was alleged back in April of 2016 to have told George Papadopoulos about Russian dirt on Hillary. About 10 days after that meeting, Papadopoulos meets with an Australian official, and that's what allegedly starts off the FBI investigation, because the FBI says Papadopoulos told the Australian official about this dirt on Hillary, which, by the way, both Papadopoulos and the Australian deny. Who was Joseph Mifsud? Folks, if you read my book, Spygate, or if you're a listener to this show, I think you understand Mifsud was not a Russian agent. There is simply no way that's possible. The FBI interviewed Mifsud in February of 2017 and let him go. Mifsud's own lawyer has said repeatedly that Mifsud is not a a, uh, Russian intelligence asset, that he is a Western, and it was the Western intelligence people he had connections to. That's the second tranche of information. So the first tranche of information Nunes wants is going to be about the Obamas, uh, the Obama administration's history of targeting their political enemies with both foreign and U.S. intelligence assets. That's the Flynn thing. The second one is going to be the Obama administration's uh, culpability and potential guilt in an effort to entrap Trump administration officials like George Papadopoulos with fake Russian assets. Third, the Trump Tower meeting. This has been a, this occupies a good portion of my first book and some of the second book as as well, which we're wrapping up now. The Trump Tower meeting, I'm not going to beat this to death. I talked about it before. The people who show up for the Trump Tower meeting with Don Jr. in 2016, in the summer, the people who show up, the two Russians, are connected to Team Hillary. One who indicates through public statements, you can all read about articles in the New York Post and elsewhere. The Russian intel guy admits to knowing people on the Clinton staff. I thought no one Russians was bad. The Russian lawyer that shows up, Veselnitskaya, Natalia Veselnitskaya, is working for Fusion GPS, the same company Hillary Clinton hired to gather information on Trump. And by the way, Fusion GPS met with her before and after the meeting and drew up the talking points. Tell me again how this doesn't stink of an entrapment scheme. Like, are you an idiot? How do you not... Are you Are you totally immune to facts here? Ridiculous. It really is. All right. Um, I, w- I want to go to this piece by John Solomon at the Hill. And this is going to take a while. This may go from today into tomorrow. uh. Because John Solomon, his, these pieces are all at the show notes today. Please go to Bongino.com. Subscribe to my email list. We will email you these pieces. You can also read them if you go to our website, Bongino.com, under podcasts. The show notes and the articles like this one are attached to the show every day, and I strongly encourage you to read them. John Solomon has a really terrific piece at The Hill saying, basically, here's the 10 questions going forward. It's called 10 Post-Muller Questions That Could Turn the Tables on Russia Collusion Investigators. It is a really, really well done piece. It lays out a roadmap going forward of how this is all going to work. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, today's show is going to be just slightly abbreviated, not by much. Um, Because I really, really want to get to, I just gave you the primer on where we're going. um, And I want to get to, I may throw in some extra content later. I'm I'm sorry, everything's a little bit kind of out of order today, but it's a very chaotic news day. And I want you to be able to get your news here. You've been with me for a long time. I value your, your listenership, your downloads and your views. Uh, more than you'll ever know, and I don't. I want to let you down, so I want to make sure I got this out first. Okay. Uh, finally, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. We love Brickhouse; one of my original sponsors. Brickhouse Nutrition makes the finest nutrition supplements on the market, folks. If you want to do three things, right? You want to look better, you want to feel better, and you want to perform better. What if I told you Brickhouse supplements do all three? I want to talk about foundation, and if you don't believe in what I'm telling you about foundation, all I ask is that you give it a try. Go to brickhousenutrition.com/slash dan. Pick up Foundation, Field the Greens today. Field the Greens is their fruit and vegetable uh, supplement, which is terrific. But Foundation is so good. All I ask is that you pick it up and take what I call the mirror test. Go give yourself a look in the mirror. You don't have to take a bunch of pictures or anything. But take a mental snapshot of what you look like. I want you to try Foundation. Follow the label instructions on it. It's a creatine ATP blend. And I want you to give yourself a look about seven days later. I promise the email feedback I get on this is fantabulous. You're going to love it. Give yourself a look in the mirror. You're going to look terrific. You're more vascular. You're going to look better. Your muscles are going to look harder. You're going to look better. Leaner, meaner. You, I, I, I'm I, telling you, I love this stuff. They were my original sponsor. Go check it out. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan today. Go pick up a bottle of foundation. Give it about seven days to load. You know, Five or seven days works a lot quicker than that, but and then look again, and I promise you, you will be impressed. The stuff is that good. Not only will you look better, you'll feel better, you'll perform better in the gym too. Take a little uh, uh, activity log with you into the gym and monitor your performance. Watch seven days later how much stronger you are. It's terrific stuff. Go check it out, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. All right, let's get right to it john solomon's piece at the hill he has these 10 takeaways i'm going to get to as many as i can today and then we can set up more tomorrow i also have some media stuff i want to get to let's go to question number one john solomon when did the fbi first learn that Steele's dossier was funded by the clinton campaign and the democratic party and written by a partisan who by his own admission was desperate to defeat trump Documents and testimony are reviewed show senior DOJ official Bruce Orr first told his colleagues about Steele's bias and connections in late summer 2016. Pay attention to this, folks. This is important. Late summer 2016. Likewise, sources tell me a string of FBI emails. FBI. Some before the Bureau secured its first surveillance warrant raised concerns about Steele's motive, employer, and credibility. Oh, is it this So two big takeaways from John Solomon's first question here about when uh, when they learned about the Steele dossier. First, he indicates that there was a briefing about Steele's dossier and his biases and connections. In other words, that he hated Trump and was being paid to generate information on Trump, negative information on Trump. That Bruce Orr told his colleagues about Steele's biases and connections in late summer of 2016. Why is that important, ladies and gentlemen? Because who did Bruce Orr brief on that? Andrew Weissman. Yes, the same guy I told you before who was later hired to be Mueller's numero uno bulldog to go after Trump. So let me get this straight. Bruce Orr briefs Andrew Weissman that the guy who puts this dossier together, Steele, has biases and is connected to the Hillary team. He briefs Weissman. Weissman knows this dossier has to be a hoax based on this information. And what does he do? He gets hired by Bob Mueller later to target Donald Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why, look, this is my phone. I keep the, look, you see that? You only get that on this show. Like basically I'm almost shut down the retina on the special camera we have here. But the that's why that late summer 2016 thing is important. When was Bob Mueller hired, folks? May of 2017. What the heck was Andy Weissman doing getting hired by Bob Mueller in 2017 if he knows in 2016 the document they're investigating is produced by a guy who's biased and is connected to Hillary? The answer is they were trying to destroy the Trump presidency. Second takeaway, there's been a lot of mentions. If you know the Nunes translator, you listen to Nunes and others, Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows, there's been numerous mentions of uh of Steele's motive and employer and and credibility. Apparently there are emails. There are emails up about that between FBI officials questioning Steele's credibility. All right, let's go to number two. Um, Number two, how much evidence of innocence did the FBI possess against two of its early targets? Trump campaign advisors, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. Solomon's sources tell him that agents secured evidence of the innocence of both men from informants, intercepts and other techniques never disclosed to the FISA court. I'm told, this is Solomon talking, learning exactly the sort of surveillance used on page also may surprise some people (laughs) oh this is getting good this is getting just delicious isn't it okay let me i'll go back to number one for a second on number one he mentions at the end again a bunch of exculpatory emails by the fbi in other words at the fbi you see at the end He says, likewise, sources tell me a string of FBI emails raise concerns. So in other words, the FBI themselves are emailing each other back and forth about concerns they have about Steele's credibility, yet they use the information anyway. Number two is interesting because apparently there's information, exculpatory information, about Page and Papadopoulos as well. In other words, information indicating they were innocent. So John Solomon asks, well, just how much evidence of their innocence do they have? And then someone tells Solomon that the type of surveillance they used on Page may surprise some people. Folks, I'm not at liberty yet to, I'm reasonably confident I know what he means, but I think you are going to be stunned at the net that was cast to surveil Carter Page. It will remind you of horrible movies you've seen of government surveillance gone awry. And it was all based on fake discredited information in the dossier. You will be horrified that this enemy of the state Will Smith type movie spying was employed on a guy only because Hillary Clinton's team produced a fake dossier indicating he was guilty of a crime he never committed. Remember. All right, I'll give you a little hint here. There's different kinds of intelligence gathering. There's human, not human, human intelligence. There's sigint, signals intelligence. I think the depth of what was done to try to implicate Carter Page in a collusion scandal that didn't exist is going to shake your soul. Even worse, is going to be that they had exculpatory information being that not only was Carter Page not guilty of what they were accusing him of, but he was in fact innocent. And they did it anyway. I'm telling you, this is going to get very, very good for justice and very, very bad for the snakes who tried to pull this off. All right, let's go to number three. Third question by Solomon, his piece. Why was the Steele dossier used as primary evidence in the FISA warrant against Page when it had not been corroborated? FBI testimony he reviewed showed agents had just begun checking out the dossier when its elements were used as supporting evidence and that, oh, get a load of this, folks, get a load of this doozy, and that spreadsheets kept by the Bureau during the verification process validated only small pieces of the dossier while concluding other parts were false. Now, again, regular listeners to my show here know I've only mentioned the Woods file. Paula, how many times have I mentioned this? Uh, (laughs) A thousand times. The Woods procedure. Folks, to verify information before you bring it into the FISA court, if you were an FBI agent and swear to it. In other words, if Joe robbed the bank, I have to produce evidence from sources, videotapes, sworn testimonies, fingerprints. I have to swear to that. I have to verify it. When you use the FISA court, a, a, a court a, which is not our standard courts, it's a it, they're not the regular court system. It's a non-adversarial. You don't have the right to go in there if you're being spied on. When you use the FISA court to prevent the government from spying on just anybody using the FISA court, you have to verify the information using this Woods procedure where people have to sign off that it is verified. Ladies and gentlemen, there are documents there, maybe some spreadsheets where people tried tried to verify information and Solomon's sources indicate not only was the information not verified, but the information was false. Oh man, that's going to be good. Do you want to be the guy on that spreadsheet who signed your name to a Woods file and swore that you engaged in these verification procedures using this Woods procedure to verify information. And when you tried to verify it, it was false. And you walked into a FISA court anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to go over well with the FISA Court when they get wind of this one. You may be asking yourself, by the way, why the FISA Court isn't more upset that they got absolutely worked, worked with a capital W. Reminds me of that R- R- RuPaul song, "You Better Work." They got worked. I think the FISA Court is waiting for the Muller probe to wrap and the Spygate probe to wrap. But I, I don't, th- they, they cannot possibly be happy about this. I, they can't. And I don't believe that at least there, there has to be some white knight in the FISA court that is going to call BS on this nonsense. All right, number four, question number four. Why was Steele's biases and his ties to the Clinton campaign, as well as evidence of innocence and flaws in the FISA evidence, never disclosed to the FISA court as required by law and court practice? All right, this is pretty straightforward. This is simple. In the FISA warrant to spy on the Trump team, rather than indicating the information they were using came from a dossier paid for by Hillary Clinton, what they did was they massaged it and mentioned it was paid for by political people who didn't like the Trump campaign, but they never mentioned it was the Clinton campaign. That could have been anybody. It could have been Republicans. It could have been people up on Capitol Hill who didn't like him. They left out the key detail that his primary political opponent, listen to me, that phrase matters, His primary political opponent, primary is probably a bad word. I don't mean primary like a Republican Democrat primary. I mean as in a triaging of needs, number one. His number one political opponent, Hillary Clinton, was the source of this information via paying Chris Steele to her law firm, Perkins Coie. They left that out of the FISA court, ladies and gentlemen. They also left out the fact that Christopher Steele had already told Bruce Orr and others that he couldn't stand Donald Trump and wanted to do anything to see him not elected. Do you think that may be a critical piece of information when evaluating the credibility of someone's claims? Um, I think so. All right, number five. Another important one here by Sol- in Solomon's piece of the Hill. Please read this piece. Print this thing up. It's worth keeping. It's very, because this is where we're going. Why did the FBI and U.S. intelligence officials? <laughs> I love that. I don't know where I get that from, some movie somewhere. Why did the FBI and U.S. intelligence officials leak stories about evidence in the emerging Russia probe before they corroborated collusion? And were any of those leaks designed to create evidence that could be cited in courts of law and public opinion to justify the continuation of a flawed investigation? Ladies and gentlemen, this is key. There's a couple takeaways here um, in point five here. Takeaway number one. The leaks are bad enough. Follow me. The leaks from the FBI about information, classified information they had generated in this Russia probe, the leaks were bad enough. But what Solomon is pointing out here is the depravity of the leaks are even worse when you consider the fact that the information was false. Listen, the leaks, some of them are criminal. The leak of Mike Flynn's name to the Washington Post and the information is is criminal. the the, it's morally disgusting that sworn federal agents who raised their right hand and swore to protect the rule of law were using the media as well but i mean a 10 on the depravity scale is the fact that you're leaking information that they even knew was false now he brings up another point here were these leaks designed to create or fabricate evidence in other words with circular reasoning used here this is where the bureau is in a world of trouble Were the leaks to the media designed to create reporting by Michael Isikoff, David Korn, and others? Reporting based on the FBI's own stories that the FBI then took back and used as evidence in the FISA court. Ladies and gentlemen, think about how disgusting this is. The FBI does not have evidence. Matter of fact, they have exculpatory evidence that their case is, is is wrong-headed. It's wrong. Their case, The collusion case doesn't exist. They have evidence of their innocence. Rather than closing the case and moving on, they leak false information to reporters. They then take the reports the reporters use that they got from them and use it as evidence that the case is real. Look, it's in the newspaper. It must be real. What a scam. And not only does, does Solomon mention, was it used as a, uh, was the, were the reports they gave them used as evidence to target the Trump officials. But this is an important point here. Don't miss this in number five. Number five in the Hill piece. Was it used to alter public opinion to justify the con- the continuation of a flawed investigation? Ladies and gentlemen, public opinion matters. Look at that last sentence. Check us out on youtube.com slash if you want to see how we jerry-rigged this operation today, by the way, folks. It's pretty cool. Paula did a great job. So did Joe. So uh, what, what does that mean? Ladies and gentlemen, you have to go back to the text. This is where understanding the source documents and doing your homework on this case really matters. I know you know a lot of you are busy. It's what I'm here for. I don't expect you to read through all this stuff. You guys have, uh, and ladies have work to do. This is my job. There's a text at one point where Peter Stroke is talking to his girlfriend, Lisa Page, And they're referencing some of these reports and suggesting that they can use them as a predicate to go interview some people. In other words, were they leaking false information about the guilt or innocence of the Trump team, Carter Page, Mike Flynn, Russian collusion, leaking it to the media, hoping the public would turn on the Trump team so they could use that as a predicate to go interview some more people and gather evidence they couldn't get before. Because it wasn't there. There was no evidence of a crime because the crime didn't happen. Folks, it's not that there was a bank was robbed and Trump did it or didn't do it. It's that Trump was accused of robbing a bank and there was no bank robbery. There was never a collusion scheme with anyone. Let me go back to note number one from the Bob Mueller, from the Bill Barr press conference. There was no evidence that this was coordinated, any Russian collusion with the Trump team or any American. There was no bank robbery, none, zero. All right, let me get to six, because this is important, too. Did Comey improperly handle information when he distributed his memo, his memos to private conversations with Trump to his lawyers and a friend in order to leak he hoped would cause a special counsel appointment after he was fired as FBI director? Folks, this is key, number six. Why? Because Jim Comey is the director of the FBI by all this illicit behavior is going on. They're signing off on a Woods file, verifying information they know is false. In some cases, knowing the information they have indicates innocence, not guilt. They continue this investigation. When the investigation goes dry, they leak reports to the media, reports later used in court filings as evidence, reports they leaked to go and lie in front of the FISA court where they're not telling the FISA court that the information they have is basically from Hillary Clinton's team and from a British spy who hates Donald Trump. Comey is the FBI director when that happens. When Comey is fired, he finds out almost immediately that he is going to be the subject, of course, of some form of congressional review or some investigation because he knows his role in this. How does he know? Because he did it. He was there. That's why. That's how he knows. So what does Comey do? He leaks classified information to a friend of his to leak to the media to do what? To get a special counsel appointed not to investigate him but to investigate donald trump who just fired him what a snake jim comey was that classified information thing is going to be key all right i'm going to get through these i'm determined in the, in the uh next few minutes because i've got so much for uh, potentially later or tomorrow i'm not sure what i want to do here there's just so much material coming out right now um, and i want to make sure you, i get you all the accurate stuff um takeaway number seven. Did the CIA, FBI or Obama White House engage in activities such as the activation of intelligence sources or electronic surveillance before the opening of an official counterintelligence investigation on July 31st, 2016? Folks, I, I, I can't hammer this home to you enough. The FBI is insisting through their media hacks and their police state tyrants in the media that are propagandizing and gaslighting you that the investigation into Trump started on July 1st, or July 31st, excuse me, of 2016, the official opening of Crossfire Hurricane. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's the case, what are they covering up before that? Are they covering up the meetings in London between FBI officials and UK intelligence officials? Are they covering up the meetings in London that all this all happened before July 31st, folks? Between one of their FBI agents and Christopher Steele, the source of this dirty dossier that they hid the details on, are they covering up Stefan Halper reaching out to uh, to key Trump officials before the FBI July 31st, 2016 uh, investigation opened? Because that happened too. Are they covering up the use of an extensive spying network and unmaskings overseas and potentially other FISA warrants they don't want to tell you about? Did the case open up July 31st, 2016? I want to know what happened before then, and so do you. All right, number eight. Did U.S. intel, the FBI, or the Obama administration, use or encourage friendly spy agencies in Great Britain, Australia, Ukraine, Italy, or elsewhere to gather evidence on the Trump campaign, leak evidence, or get around U.S. restrictions on spying. Folks, again, a key question in my first book and in my second book, Spygate and book two, Exonerated. Did the Obama administration want to spy on political enemies and because they were restricted by U.S. law, use foreign intelligence friendlies to do it? Don't believe this nonsense media narrative that, oh, the Australians and the British, they were just providing innocent tips here. That is not the way this went down. The question is, why was the Obama administration taking tips on American citizens from foreigners? Why? Because they were their political enemies. That's why. Number nine, did the CIA or Obama intelligence apparatus try to lure or pressure the FBI into opening a collusion probe or acknowledge its existence before the election? Text messages between Stroke and Page raise concerns about, quote, pressure from the White House, the, quote, agency BS game that they're talking about the CIA, DOJ leaks, and the need for an FBI, quote, insurance policy. And as Stroke texted at one point in August of 2016, quoting a colleague, the White House, is running this folks listen the fbi are not innocent actors in this i think i've been pretty crystal clear on that from the start the bureau there are clearly uh malevolent malicious actors in this mccabe comey and others who were involved jim baker is taking information from a dnc connected lawyer he jim baker was an fbi lawyer but the question here and it's a good one is question number nine is Did they do this under pressure from John Brennan or Obama? I can't sum it up any easier than that. What did Obama know? When did he know it? Was there pressure exerted by Barack Obama and John Brennan? And was that pressure exerted on the FBI? Because remember, folks, please, you need to understand this. The FBI is the law enforcement entity on the terrorism counterintel side that has arrest authority and investigative authority please tell me you understand that people used to confuse me with the secret service and the cia all the time the cia is not law enforcement they have no law enforcement powers they are not investigators in that way they are not gs 1811 federal investigators it is the fbi that has to initiate that and the cia there are very strict restrictions on what they can do on united states citizens the FBI is less restricted. They investigate U.S. citizens all the time. Was the FBI pressured by the White House or were they pressured by the CIA? We shall soon see. Final question, question 10. I made good time, perfect timing. Did any FBI agents, intel officials, or key players in the probe provide false testimony to Congress? McCabe has already been singled out by the IG for lying about a media leak an internal doj probe and evidence emerged this year that calls into question fusion gps glenn simpson's testimony about his contacts with or again this last sentence is the most important one glenn simpson under oath is indicated that his contacts with bruce Orr and others began after the election ladies and gentlemen we know that's not true we know bruce Orr, the doj official who is taking information from simpson from fusion gps has testified otherwise that his meetings with Glenn Simpson happened before the election. And as we know his meetings with Christopher Steele happened the day before the case was opened, July 31st, 2016, by the FBI. Those two stories can't possibly be true, folks. One of them is lying. And I believe it's Glenn Simpson. And Glenn Simpson is in a world of trouble. And that's why Glenn Simpson right now is in the wind. We can't find Glenn. I'm sure you can find him if you want to. Glenn Simpson will not testify because he knows he's in a world of trouble. Wow, that was a stacked show today. Hey, I want to give a special hat tip today to producer Joe. I know he's been kind of quiet today. Uh, It's just due to the technical setup here. He didn't want to impact the show too much. And my lovely wife, Paula, who... uh, Paula, can you acknowledge... Give them all a... a yeah, we, this was a rough setup getting this done uh, because I'm listening to the show and we knew we had to start right away and I'm on the road and I have to travel with a whole bunch of equipment to make it look somewhat decent. So I really appreciate you all uh, tuning in today. Please share this show. Um, I promise you we're going to have another stack show tomorrow. I'm going to be pulling this report. I'm going to be pulling audio. I'm going to be pulling video. Uh, it's going to be very, very good. And please watch me on the five later. Me and M- Marie Harf will be getting into it again, I'm sure, with some, <laughs> let's call them spicy debates. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.